What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Northview Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're taking time to listen to today's message. Northview is a place for you to grow closer to others and to grow closer to God. We would love to meet you in person and have you visit us at any one of our campuses. You can find a campus near you or get more information about Northview by visiting us online at northviewchurch.us. Now, let's join our senior pastor, Steve Poe, for this week's message. Well, last week, as you know, we started this series called True North, and I'm curious, did anybody go home and test it? Did anybody pull out two iPhones and put one on True North and one on Magnetic North? Anybody at all? Okay, you were, yes, thank you. You were motivated by the sermon, I can tell. So thank you for doing that, and you probably found it's just slightly off, right? Yep, 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 they're a plant. I put them there so that they would agree with me on there. I don't know if there's anybody else up in the balcony either, but it, anyway, basically, if you were not here for Easter, we talked about how there is a point on the earth that is literally the North Pole, which is called True North, and then there is also uh, Magnetic North, and of course, our phones and our compasses are magnetic, and so they're pointing to Magnetic North, and those can be slightly different depending on where you are at in the earth, where you're at in the world. And so uh, it might be only slightly different at one place, so you may be on the other side of the world, and it's as much as 12 to 15 degrees off. And of course, the Earth's, it's all based on the Earth's magnetic field, which is not a fixed point. That thing is always moving. And so it's pointing slightly different, as we talked about. And you say, well, okay, so it's a slight difference in magnetic north and true north. What's the big deal? And we said, even if something is only one degree off over time, it's going to take you miles away for you expect, from where you expect it to go, where you plan to be. And we gave the illustration that if you were on a rocket ship and went to the moon and you were only one degree off, by the time you got there, you would miss the moon by 4,169 miles. But isn't that also true? The point of that is, isn't that also true in every area of our life? From our finances, to our marriage, to our dating, to our family, even spiritually. It might seem like you're seeing, for instance, let's say that you say, well, you know, I, I, I'm in church all the time, Steve. I'm, you know, I love God, I'm a Christian, but I do have this one area of my life, but it's, it's not that big of a deal, right? It's just one little small sin. I don't know that it's necessary that I deal with it. That little area of sin in your life when ignored can take you completely off course. You may not think it's a big deal, but over time it can take you completely in a different place than you intended to go. It seems like today everybody's, everybody's uh, lives are pointed in a different direction. And they think it's okay. You know, it's like we have so many different worldviews today, we have so many different thoughts today, and everybody thinks, well, that's just okay, it's not that big of a deal. Proverbs chapter 14 told us, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, in the, but it ends in death. But it ends in death. I'm sure some of you have maybe drifted over the years. Maybe at one point you were, you were headed true north, you were focused on Jesus, and that was the most important thing in your life. But for one reason or another, you have drifted just a bit from true north. And you're not sure exactly how it happened, but you know it's true, you know it happened. But guys, I want you to know there is a way back to true north. Don't just accept it. Don't just settle for what maybe the world has accepted as okay. 
And what I hope that you're gonna discover by the time we get to the end of this series is that Jesus is the only way back. Jesus is the only way back to a solid foundation, to a true foundation. Friends, here's the reality. Every morning we wake up to a world that's doing everything they possibly can to pull us away from where Jesus wants us to go. That's true whether you wanna believe it or not. It's trying to do whatever it can. The enemy's trying to do whatever he can to pull us away from God's plan for your life, from his purpose for your life. Think of it this way, magnetic north. Magnetic north is the direction this world wants to pull you. So I talk about true north, a, a, a point where we find Christ. And so think of it as magnetic north where the things of the world, the direction of the world wants to pull you away from true north. Make no mistake, my friends, we live in a world that's trying to pull us away from God's plan for our life. The philosophies, the ideologies, the values, the different worldviews, and the schemes of mankind are constantly shifting, but not God. The scripture makes that clear in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus is an unchanging source. He never wavers, he never changes. He is a solid foundation. That's what you will not find anywhere else. You're not gonna find that in any other philosophy. You're not gonna find that in any other worldview. It says the true north is the direction Jesus wants to guide you. And true north, of course, is Jesus. So if we're gonna let Jesus guide us, then don't you think we need to understand who he is? There's all kinds of versions, there's all kinds of ideas and opinions about who Jesus is, and yet Jesus clarified in scripture. He made it perfectly clear who he was. There are seven I am statements in the book of John. Remember those? I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door for the sheep, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way and the truth and the life, I am the true vine. He says, I don't, Jesus says, I don't want you to be confused about who I am. Last week we looked at I am the resurrection. We looked at I am the resurrection. And I tried to make it as clear as I possibly could that this, my friends, is the most definitive and powerful statement that Jesus ever made about himself. We cannot make light of it. We cannot understate it. It is the most definitive statement that Jesus ever made about himself. No resurrection, no Christianity. Paul tried to make that clear in Corinthians. We read that particular passage. No resurrection, no Christianity. Everything is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well today, today we're gonna look at John chapter 10 verse 11 that says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. This statement has to do with how Jesus wants to guide us or lead us or direct us to himself, to true north. He doesn't say, I am a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now notice the verse right before it. It's a verse that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. In John chapter 10, verse 10, many of you probably have this memorized. It says, the thief, Satan, the devil, the thief's purpose is to what? It's to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus is writing this. Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Make no mistake about it. I'll say that to you again. Satan is out to destroy you. You may say, oh, he doesn't even know I'm alive. He doesn't care about me. You are fooling yourself. 
Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy from every single human being. And, and I would also just say, since that's what's going on in our culture right now, I think he's trying to use COVID, I think he's trying to use this pandemic to pull us away from the body of Christ. Some of you may say, for instance, just one example of what I mean by that, some of you may say, well, Steve, you know, we were online for six months. Why are you so passionate now about getting people back in the house? What's the big deal? You know, the writer of Hebrews says, listen, guys, the writer of Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. So the writer of Hebrews is trying to say, some people have gotten into the habit of not assembling together. And so he's warning the body of Christ as he writes that letter to the Hebrews. He's saying, don't do that. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So he's saying, it's a big deal. Don't let yourself get into that habit. Listen, it's great that we have online. And we're gonna continue to expand our online campus. It's great because uh, for those people that are homebound, those people that are sick and can't make it to church, those people that are traveling, uh, those people that are trying to check us out as a church, I'm so glad that we have online and we'll continue to offer online. But you lose so much by not gathering with other believers. You lose so much, so much more than I can even describe to you today. Why is that? Well, well, first of all, you don't engage with the body of Christ, and that's one of the biggest reasons. The Bible says where any two or three will agree concerning anything toward heaven. It constantly talks about us in groups. It constantly talks about us corporately and the importance of corporate prayer, the importance of corporately gathering together. There's so much, you don't get that when you're sitting at home watching online. You, your kids is another entire issue. You know. 80% of those that come to Christ will do so before they're 14 years of age. What does that mean? That means that we have a very small window to reach your kids for Christ. And that's why as parents, you want to ensure that your kids are being molded and shaped into spiritual things because I promise you the world's trying to mold and shape them into the things of the world. And so it's important that they gather. They are not gonna get online what they can get being gathered together. And worship, my goodness sakes. You, let me just make this as a statement. You're not gonna worship online like you're gonna worship together with a group of people. Now there may be some of you, I know that there may be a small percentage of you that actually, man, you, you crank it up, you stand up in your home and you worship God while watching on video. But that's not the majority. The majority of people are doing something else. The majority of people are watching as a spectator, but they're not participating in worship. And worship is such an important piece. It's such an important part of why we gather together. And so, uh, I could go on and I probably shouldn't. COVID is not, let me just say it this way, guys. COVID is not the only pandemic that I think we're facing today. Now, don't get me wrong. I certainly believe that COVID needs to be taken seriously. I mean, come on, deaths worldwide are now, uh, they're now near three million people. And I know, I know some good things have happened during COVID. I, I, people all the time say, well, you know, there have been some good things, and, and there have, and, and I acknowledge that. And I know there have been some good things, but the enemy, I'm just telling you, the enemy is trying to use it to create all kinds of division, to create all kinds of other issues in people's lives. I've never seen the body of Christ more split over silly things than they're split over now. 
And, it, and, it, and it's amazing to me when the instruction of the New Testament is our responsibility and our obligation to love one another. Since COVID began a little over a year ago, there's a lot of pent up anger. The suicide rate, I don't know if you know this guys, but the suicide rate has skyrocketed during this period of time. The number of drug overdoses, mental health issues have all climbed. The divorce rates are up. Domestic and child abuse are up. Then there is the social isolation for the elderly, as well as for the students who are doing school online. And there have been so many, there have been so many small businesses that have gone out of business, and, and honestly, so many churches that have had to close their doors permanently because of the pandemic. Unemployment has been at an all-time high. The pressures of COVID have intensified our anxiety levels like nothing else I can remember in the past and it has caused more tension, and it's caused more frustrations. COVID has been a human and economical social crisis, and I'm gonna tell you, I would argue that it's been a spiritual crisis as well. And we have created a lot of bad habits in our life. And again, that's why as believers, it's so important. It's so important that we fulfill the Great Commission. It's more important today than it's ever been before, because the pandemic, I believe, is causing people to drift. I'm talking about Christians here. I'm talking about believers. It's causing Christians and believers to drift. And so like never before, we have a responsibility and an obligation to help people come back to true north, to come back to that relationship with Jesus Christ. We are the ones, we are the ones as believers that know true north, which is what? It's Jesus Again, I'll say it to you, Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's certainly using the pandemic to do that. But remember, in the same verse, Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly, that you might have life to the full. And how can we get that life? Well, Jesus wants us, that's basically what he's trying to help us understand when he talks about Jesus is the shepherd because he wants us to follow him like sheep would follow after their shepherd, and that's why he uses that analogy. But in order to appreciate Jesus as the good shepherd, I think we first have to understand how in the world are we actually like sheep? I don't know if you know this or not, but out of all the animals mentioned in scripture, none, none of them are mentioned more than sheep. Do you know that? Over 200 times sheep are mentioned. Horses are mentioned about 160 times. I think dogs are mentioned 44 times. Eagles are mentioned 30 times. But did you know there is one animal that is never mentioned in scripture? Cats. <laughs> Not one time. Not one time. Now I know, I know all you cat lovers are gonna push back and you're gonna say, oh come on Steve, it talks about lions. It certainly does. Satan is like a roaring lion. And so if you want to, if, so if we're going to go there, that means that cats must be these little demons that are walking the earth. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I can feel my inbox filling up even as I stand here. But the, but the scripture compares us to sheep. <laughs> now, if that isn't a dumb looking animal, I really don't know what is. I'm, I'm just curious, have any, of you, have any of you ever had a pet sheep? Oh my gosh, there's somebody that has a pet sheep. I bet it wasn't a lot of fun. Anybody else have a, a pet sheep? Why do you think that is? 
Because actually, they just don't, and maybe we could have a conversation, but actually, they just don't make good pets. Why? Because, well, again, they're just a dumb animal. Do, do you know, for instance, think about it, guys. Do you know any schools that use sheep as their mascots? I mean, the IU sheep, go sheep, or, or, or the fighting sheep of Purdue. They are so bad. And, and have you ever seen a sheep do any tricks? Roll over, roll over, speak, speak. You never see it, no. I mean, the only way you can get a sheep to ever play dead is to shoot him, and that only works one time. Let me give you a few facts about sheep. Sheep wander away and get lost easily. Seriously, we're gonna take some, several of these. Sheep wander away and they get lost easily. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, we all like sheep. So again, the scripture's comparing us to sheep. We all, like sheep, have gone astray and each of us has turned to our own way. Now, let me just say as one that has, if you've ever led a tour or a mission trip or a group of adults in any type of organized effort, you know exactly what they're talking about here. I mean, it's easier, it is easier to keep a group of five-year-olds together than it is to keep a group of adults together. Why? Because we're like sheep, and we're always going astray, okay? And so when sheep go off on their own, not only do they get lost, but they'll usually do something, well, pretty dumb. You know, when horses or dogs get lost, they just find their own way back home, don't they? But not a sheep. What about you, do you get lost easily? You know, talking about our, comparing ourselves to sheep, do you get lost easily? Because if I'm being transparent or honest, Sandy and I both do, we are both directionally challenged. Usually, in a married couple, you have one that's, that, that can find their way around and the other one's directionally challenged. It's really been hard for us because both of us are directionally challenged. In fact, I've made this statement for many, many years. If it was not for the invention of the GPS on our telephones, we probably would not have survived our marriage. I mean, we, we rarely fight, but I'm telling you over the years what we fought about. Every time that map came out of the glove box, that's when we fought. And so the GPS was a lifesaver. And I'm, and I'm bad, but I'm just saying she's even a little worse than I am. I mean, uh, I mean, um, we come out of a, of a hotel room or a restaurant, a restaurant eating dinner, and she always turns the wrong way. I always have to grab her and go the other. So I'm bad, but I'm just saying she's, she's worse. <laughs> so maybe you're not directionally challenged, right? You're not. You say, I'm not. Is there any area of your life that you get lost? Is there any area of your life you get lost? Have you ever woke up in the morning and thought, I don't know how our marriage ever got to this place. I, I don't know how we got so deep in debt I don't know how I ever got so far away from God. It's because we're all like sheep and have strayed away from the good shepherd. We've allowed the magnetic pull of our culture, we've allowed the magnetic pull of our world to cause us to wander. Here's another fact about sheep. Sheep lack discernment. They lack discernment. I read where sheep will walk between two rocks and get stuck. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like there'll be two rocks there and a sheep will walk right in there and get stuck. And instead of backing out, which would be the easy thing and going a different way, they said they'll just keep pushing and just keep trying to force their way through and they'll stay there stuck until the shepherd shows up and lets them out. They'll just continue to push and get themselves deeper in it. How many times, guys, have you gotten yourself 
stuck between a rock and a hard place. Maybe it's in your debt. Maybe it's a dating situation. Maybe it's an addiction like drugs or porn, but something has caused you to get stuck. And instead of repenting or backing out, you just keep pushing deeper and deeper and deeper into it. The next one, sheep also follow the flock. They follow the flock. They say that if one sheep, you've heard this, I know, most of your life, I'm sure, but they say if one sheep goes over a cliff, all the rest of them will just keep following and go right behind them. In fact, uh, sending a sheep, I also read that where you send sheep to slaughter, a rancher will get what they call a Judas goat, and the Judas goat will walk up the ramp, and the rest of the sheep will march right up the ramp behind him to their death. How many times have you watched something, have, how many times have you watched someone do something really dumb simply because everybody else is doing it? All of your friends are getting a new car, so we need to go get a new car. All of your coworkers are buying new homes, so let's go out and get a new home. All of your friends are doing drugs, so why not do drugs? I've seen people destroy their lives because of their debt. I've seen people destroy their lives following after the crowd. The next one is sheep are full of fear. They say a little jackrabbit can spook a whole herd of sheep and send them running. Many of them don't even know why they're running. It makes me think of the, the two natural gas company employees. I don't know if you've heard about this, but these two guys were reading meters, and, and so they met up at the corner, and the truck was down the block, and so one of the gas meter readers said to the other, he said, I'll race you to the truck. And so they both took off running towards the truck in a big race, heated race. And there was a woman right there on that corner looking out her kitchen window. And she sees these two gas company employees running. And so when they get to their truck, uh, they're all out of breath and they turn around and this lady's standing behind him and she's been over all out of breath and they said, ma'am, are you all right? What's the matter? And she said, you know, when I see two gas men running away from my house, I figured I'd better run too. <laughs> Have you ever been anxious or full of fear? and you don't even really know why. I'm just telling you guys, that's why we need a good shepherd. The next point is sheep are defenseless without a shepherd. They're defenseless without a shepherd. Think about it, have you ever seen a wild herd of sheep? Well, no. Almost every animal has some form of defense. Horses do, porcupines do, snakes do, skunks do, dogs do. Even a turtle has a hard shell. And cats have been known to claw your eyes out in the middle of the night. <laughs> Dangerous animals. What do a sheep have? Nothing, absolutely nothing. They're not fast, they don't have sharp teeth, they're, they're, they're just defenseless animals. Sheep, abs listen to me guys, sheep absolutely, sheep absolutely need a shepherd just as you and I absolutely need the good shepherd in our life because we are also defenseless against the enemy. We're defenseless against Satan. We're defenseless against what he's gonna try to do to steal, kill, and destroy us. You know, some of us can be so independent, can't we? Well, we're strong, we're smart, we, ha we have a big bank account, we went to an Ivy League school, we don't think we need anyone's help and we certainly don't need God's help. Well, I don't mean to burst your bubble here today but you're no different than the rest of us. And no matter how smart you might think you are without the shepherd, you don't stand a chance against Satan. You just don't stand a chance. On the other hand, 
when I have a good shepherd in my life, First John tells me, it says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. This is for the believer, the Christian, the follower of Christ. It says, because the spirit who lives in you when, you, when you accept Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And then on in John, it says in verse 13, or excuse me, Philippians, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. With God, in other words, what the scripture is trying to help us understand, with God I'm in good shape. I don't need to fear the enemy. He who is in me is, is stronger than he who is in the world. I'm in good shape. Okay, so the next one. <clears throat> how, is, how is Jesus our good shepherd? That's what I think we need to talk about for a minute. How is Jesus our good shepherd? Remember, we just looked at the 10th verse. John 10, 10, which I said most of you know by heart. Now let's jump into John 10, verse 11. And it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, the hired hand is not the shepherd. This is an important point he's making here, and I'll, I'll explain it in just a minute. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, but I'm a good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. That, my friends, right there is the gospel message, right there. Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. That's you, the sheep he's talking about, that's you and that's me. But he also said, I have other sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. What in the world does that mean? What is he talking about there? The Jews were God's chosen people and he wants them to know that he's also going after the Gentiles or the non-Jew as well that the gospel message is for everyone. It's Jesus' desire, my friends, that all would be saved. And to know that he is the good shepherd to all those that will follow after him, regardless of the color of your skin or the size of your bank account. Jesus absolutely loves every one of us. Friends, Jesus left, we know the story, Jesus left the comforts of home and he came into our universe. He came into our pasture to put on the face of a shepherd. He walked our pathways, he braved our wolves, he faced our temptations, and he shared our struggles. Jesus came to be our good shepherd. Okay, so then what does it mean for Jesus to be a good shepherd? Well, in the Old Testament, David, I think, does such a magnificent job of comparing the heart of our heavenly father to that of a shepherd in the 23rd Psalm. I think. Again, I think it's safe to say at least the majority of you are familiar with the 23rd Psalm. It's probably the most popular Psalm in the book of Psalms. Remember David, if you remember the story of David who was King David, when he was a young boy, was a shepherd boy. And so now he reaches back into his childhood experience and he thinks about these vulnerable sheep that he cared for and how their entire well-being depended upon his skill and his care how it depended on the skills of a shepherd. First we see he's always present. He is always present. In the passage that we just read back in John chapter 10, 
It said that there was a hired hand. Remember that? I said I'll come back to it. It said that there was a hired hand, and whenever a wolf came on the scene, he would run. In fact, in the Jewish law, the, the Mishnah, there was a law for hired hands whenever they would hire somebody to watch their sheep. It said if one wolf attacked these hired shepherds, they were required to stay and fight for the sheep. But if two wolves attacked, well, in that case, it was all right for them to run. Guys, do you have some one wolf friends? If things aren't too bad, they're gonna be there for you. They're gonna have your back, but if things get really bad, they're nowhere to be found. And you wonder, where in the world did all my friends go? I'm going through the deepest crisis of my life, and I can't find anybody. People that you thought should have been there are now gone, they ran. Jesus experienced it, you're in good company. Jesus experienced when they came and arrested him, the disciples all ran, all of them. Peter watched from a distance, but he stayed back and he denied and sweared at the girl that said, no, I know you were one of them, and he swore at her. They all ran. But I'm just telling you, Jesus will never run. He's always there for you. I don't care if you went to prison. I don't care if you had an adulterous affair. I don't care if you're struggling with addiction. I don't care what you've done in your life. If you'll decide to follow him, he will never turn away from you. The scripture says that he know, the scripture tells us that he will never leave you or forsake you. In fact, he loves you and he tells us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. The next he always guides. He always guides. Now, what did John, the 14th verse, say to us? He said, go back. He said, I know my sheep. Now think about that for a minute. I know my sheep. God knows you, I'm just telling you friends, God knows you more than you'll ever know yourself. You, you may think you're a very self-aware person, and I know, I know my hurts, I know my habits, I know my hang-ups, I know all about it, but I'm just telling you that God knows you more than you'll ever know yourself. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you will decide to follow him, he wants to guide you into that plan. You know, guys, if I'm walking through a minefield, and the guide says to me, I know where all the mines are located, if you'll just follow me closely, you'll be okay. I'm gonna follow that guy's every step. I mean, wherever he left a footprint, I'm gonna step in it. So guys, why in the world would we hesitate following Christ every step? In Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Look at the next. It says, next slide, he always provides. He always provides. And so let's go back to verse one again. What did it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. God has promised that he's gonna supply all of your needs. In Psalms 23, let's jump down to verse four. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, we all go through dark valleys in life, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. We know that God is close beside us. He promised that he will be. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. 
I heard about a Sunday school teacher. She was teaching a class of four-year-old girls, and she wanted to know if any of them had memorized the 23rd Psalm, which was their assignment. And one little girl raised her hand and said that she had. The teacher was a bit skeptical, but she asked her to come up to the front or invited her up to the front and said, now, quote for us the 23rd Psalm. And the little girl stood up with her shoulders back and said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. (laughs) And then she sat down. I'm just telling you, that little girl may have overlooked some of the verses, But I think, I really do think she captured David's heart in this particular psalm. The idea of David's psalm is that we are completely content in the shepherd's care. There is nothing else that we need because I know he has my back. What did it say in verse two? It said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep easily are frightened animals. We already talked about that. They're very very timid and nervous and it makes it difficult for them to relax or lie down. That is until the shepherd is with them. And they know the shepherd's voice and they know the shepherd and when the shepherd comes around them, they relax. They're then willing to lie down. They find comfort and they settle down. Remember what verse four said. It said, your rod and your staff protect and they comfort me. Being close to the shepherd brought them peace. It's like where they were all nervous before and and discontent and worried and full of fear. Now that the shepherd's there, they know the shepherd has their back. I think it's amazing how true that is with every one of us. Guys, we allow so many things, so many things to frighten us or to worry us, and we have a tendency, don't we, to think the worst. I mean, you know, what if? And we're already imagining what the worst might be. And yet as believers, we should know that God has our back. We can absolutely trust him. For the Christian, nothing quiets our soul or gives us peace quite like being close to the shepherd, quite like being in the presence of Jesus. In Psalms 145, it says, the Lord is close to all who call upon him. In so many places, seek the Lord with all of your heart. Draw near to God. I mean, all throughout Scripture, you constantly hear this encouragement that we need to get as close to God as we possibly can because it's there in the presence of God that we'll find peace. The Lord's presence always puts a stop to strife and division. It puts a stop to fear and worry. The Lord's presence always brings the peace and contentment that all of us long for, which is why we should draw close to him. But that's a habit. Do you know that? That's a habit that we need to develop in our life. Drawing close to Jesus or prayer is a habit we need to form. That we need to determine, you know, I do want to experience everything God has for me. I do want to experience contentment and peace. And so I'm daily going to draw near to God. In Philippians chapter 4, it says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we could ever understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And then last, the next slide, he always pursues. He always pursues. I know that tonight I've joked around a little bit and I've I've made some comments about how dumb sheep are, but please know the focus of John 10 is not on how dumb sheep are. That's not the focus. The focus on John 10 is how good the shepherd is. That's the message that I want you to get tonight. The message is how good our shepherd is and how much he absolutely loves us, even though at times we don't deserve it. He absolutely loves us. In Psalms 23, the sixth verse, it says, 
Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me. His unfailing love, think about that. Imagine that in your mind. God's unfailing love is pursuing you. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When sheep wander off, what does a good shepherd do? A good shepherd will always go out and try to find him. That's what Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 15. It says, so Jesus told them this story. This is, these are the words of Jesus. He says, if a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. I don't know if any other image gives us the heart of God like that one does. It's like we think that if we think if Jesus came back to the earth to walk today, we think, well, he'd, he'd show up at church. If Jesus came back, first thing he'd do, he'd show up here at Northfield on Saturday night. But the reality is what Jesus would do, he would be out looking for the lost sinner. Jesus would be out on the streets. Jesus would be in the bars. Jesus would be wherever he needs to be to try to find those that are far from God because that's what matters to him and that's what should matter to us. And my guess is, is that there are some of you that are here today or in one of our campuses or watching online and for some reason, whatever reason, you, you've wandered away from true north. You've wandered away from God. Maybe, maybe not completely, but in more than you know you should have. The good shepherd has not forgotten you. He loves you, and this, as the scripture just said, he is absolutely pursuing you. There's a story told about an actor who was a guest of honor at a social gathering where he received a lot of requests to, to recite you know, famous, favorite excerpts from various literary works. And so an old preacher comes up to him and asked him if he would recite the 23rd Psalm. And this, this actor immediately said, I will, if after, to the old preacher, he said, I'll recite the 23rd Psalm. If after I'm finished, you will then recite it. Well, the actor recited it. It was beautiful, as you might imagine, with a whole bunch of dramatic emphasis. He received a lot of applause after it was over. And then the preacher got up, and it was his turn. And so he read it, and his voice was rough and raspy from many years of preaching. He wasn't very polished. But when he finished well, guys, there was not a dry eye in the room. And someone asked the actor, what do you think made the difference? And the actor replied, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. So my friends, you may know the stories of the Bible, but do you know the good shepherd? Thanks again for joining us on this week's podcast. If you have any questions or would like to speak with a pastor, please connect with us on our website or through social media. You can also find a Northview location to visit in person by going online to northviewchurch.us and then selecting the locations page. 
We're so glad you joined us today, and we hope you have a great week.